get to know a lot of different potential investment partners, get to know them over time before you make one of the most permanent marriage decisions an entrepreneur will ever make, which is to bring on an investment partner. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Venture capital, a term we've all heard, but maybe don't fully understand. This is a safe space to admit what we don't know, and I'll be the first to say that fundraising and private equity are pretty confusing. What we do know is that many of the consumer brands we love that have had successful exits have received funding from VMG partners, like Perfect Bar, Kind Bar, Pirate's Booty, and Justin's to name a few. So we're lucky to have joining us today, Wayne Wu, Managing Director at BMG Partners. If you aren't familiar with BMG, they are a private equity firm specializing in building iconic consumer brands. I'm a big fan of Wayne's podcast, Unfinished Biz, and reached out to him to ask if he'd be willing to walk it way back for our startup CPG community and take us through venture capital and private equity 101. And thankfully, he agreed. I learned a ton from this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Listen in as Wayne shares definitions for private equity and venture capital, how a venture capital fund works. You've all maybe figured out at this point that I'm a nerd, but I loved this part. You may need to listen to it twice, though. It's just packed with info and such an interesting peek behind the curtain that helps us understand investor behavior and motivations. He also shares about BMG's framework for evaluating brands, including total addressable market, gross margin, supply chain, founder fit, and velocities and key metrics and definitions for those areas. How BMG sources deals and why you should reach out to BMG or talk to their team at the next trade show, no matter your brand's stage. What BMG's involvement with a brand looks like post-investment and more. Hi, Wayne. Welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. So excited to have you here. And I know our community is super excited to get to listen to your insights. And so I'd love if you could kick us off by just telling us a little bit about your role at VMG and a little bit about your background, because I particularly love how I uh, how you got into uh, to, into the private equity world. So I'd love if you could share that st- a little bit about that as well. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I grew up in, in Houston, Texas to uh, immigrant parents. My, my parents knew each other since they were kids in Hong Kong. My dad was the first to graduate from college on either side of the family uh, and went to school in the UK. Um, is saw a job uh, posting in the UK for a an engineering gig in Houston. And that's uh, that's how we that's how we ended up in the states. I was born shortly after. Um, I went to school here in Northern California at Santa Clara University. Started my career at Deloitte in the uh, in the accounting space. Then I went into investment banking at RBC Capital Markets. I became CFO in the automotive retail space. But what brought me to VMG was a pretty unique story in that I joined a networking organization amongst investors, bankers, lawyers, et cetera, called ACG, Association for Corporate Growth. And when you join a chapter here in San Francisco, you have a luncheon, you know, there's probably a couple hundred people there. And I made this speech about how I am CFO of this automotive retail organization. Having said that, I'm looking to make a transition into private equity. And as I walked off the stage, one of the co-founders of VMG this was about 
It was about summer of 2007, handed me her business card, and I became the second associate um, at BMG. You know, I was I missed being the first by two weeks, so one of the first <laughs> junior hires at BMG right after the initial fund was raised. So the first fund was a $325 million fund um, doing the same things we do today, raised in summer of 2007. And I've, I've been there ever since, and they can't shake me loose. <laughs> I love it. I love that story. So I'm so glad that you shared it, how you just you were like, this is what I want to do next. And then and then it happened like, you know, the the stars align. A good reminder to, you know, to vocalize uh, what we what we want in our next steps, because sometimes it'll just uh, it'll just line up. And I think do not be afraid of an unconventional path to a goal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people think, well, I just got to do the the normal job search route of looking online and sending a resume in, you know, there's a, there's a lot. And I, I believe in this through how, how we approach things at VMG, but also the entrepreneurs who we invest in is there's a lot to just pure hustle. You know, I, I admire and respect hustle, perseverance, and resilience. And that you, you get a long ways by just sheer grit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how has your how has your role from when you were, you know, a junior member of the team to what you do now? Can you kind of tell us about about that trajectory and a little bit about, you know, your role today? I had a, the great opportunity to learn from the ground up of, you know, working, looking at a lot of different businesses um, at a very granular level learning about those business models, having a chance to work on a lot of different types of partner portfolio company brands, you know, shortly, you know, sh shortly after I started. So in 2008, I got to, you know, it was, we, it was very active from the beginning. We got to invest in some really interesting brands like Kind, Natural Balance, Pretzel Crisps, Pirate's Booty, and really you know, and, and learn about how those businesses worked. But also, we were finding our way at VMG. So for me, you know, it was it, VMG in itself was an entrepreneurial venture. I may not have been a founder or the founder of VMG, but we were all learning together on how we're how are we going to develop the brand of VMG? How are what type of companies are we going to invest in? How do we add value at those companies? And how do we partner with the company entrepreneur and teams to eventually exit those businesses? And so through that opportunity to work on so many different brands and partnering with interesting entrepreneurs like Daniel Lebetsky from Kind, the Wilsons from Pretzel Crisp, Joey Herrick from Natural Balance, and over the years like Justin Gold from Justin's and the Keith family at Perfect Snacks, we've really I've had the opportunity to continue to to you know to 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 evolve in how we think about adding value at VMG, the type of companies that we invest in, and and keep iterate on those and keep iterating on those learnings. And I feel very blessed because frankly, we're actually looking at some analysis on this. You know, most investors who invest in the space that the two of us are in, they haven't had any companies exit ever. And there's so much there's so many learnings that we've had over the years in partnering with entrepreneurs and exiting those businesses and then applying them to to new investments. So for me, you know, that role, you know, hasn't changed a whole lot in that I spend my time, you know, getting in, in the ecosystem, getting to know as 
you know, getting to know each and every entrepreneur in the spaces that we play in. We hope that in every conversation, they get more out of it than we did. And, and then we, we partner with a small handful of them to try to help them achieve their dreams. Yeah, that's that's great. And I really I like the and we'll dig into that a little bit more of, you know, kind of uh, how how you help brands at, at different stages and then specifically brands that that the fund invests in. So that's that's really interesting. I would like to kind of go take it a step back because I, I find especially when you're new to you know, new to this world, some of the terms of this, you know, of this industry can be really intimidating. Um, at least I think so. And so I wonder if you could kind of define for us, like, you know, some of the basic terms we'll be using today of like private equity, venture capital, you know, maybe a little bit of angel investing and kind of how, how those all fit together and relate to each other just to kind of help set the stage for our conversation. No problem. So maybe I'll, I'll just take it one term at a time. You know, private equity is, you know, it's what it is by definition. You know, it's ca- cash that goes into a company, you know, from a non-public source. So, you know, it doesn't trade on a stock market like the Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange, but it's from a private, it's from a privately owned entity, and they're investing it into a company or out to or, or dollars, you know, out to an existing shareholder of the business in exchange to own a certain percentage interest in that in that company. So either shares or units, depending on whether it's a it's a corporation or an LLC or partnership within private equity, there's a lot of different stages. You know, there's, you know, seed stage, which is generally around the time a a company starting could be pre-revenue, could be a little bit of revenue to start. Um, You know, venture capital, you know, like that's almost like just a broad definition for, you know, generally an earlier stage investment. Um, And, you know, that bleeds into growth equity that's usually slightly later a later portion of the venture capital sphere of staging and then there's later stage investing and if there's debt a debt component to it some would call it an lbo or leverage buyout um but it's really around you know just it's really around stage of where that company is at that people use a lot of these different terms some people then go seed or series a b c d e and it's just a way of trying to bifurcate where in that company's life and revenue cycle, you know, is an area of focus for that given investing entity. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got like, if you have an angel investor or an an individual angel investor, a lot of times they're, they're working with, you know, their own money in super early stages. And you, you mentioned already, like, you know, being part of BMG's first fund. And I believe you're investing out of the fifth fund now, I think, and maybe the second for VMG Catalyst. So I'm wondering if you can talk about like, you know, what what it means that it's a fund that you're investing out of. And then when you raise a fund, can you talk a little bit about that too? Sure. So in in a given, so what a, how the fund model works versus, you know, it's a great, a great contrast, as you mentioned, an individual investor, you know, they're, they're investing money out of their own bank account. And so what a fund does is when they when when folks like VMG or others we raise a fund, you know, that's a that's a commitment that someone's making. So when we say we raise a fund, um, a folks are going out to either a group, an individual, a group of individuals, 
a family office or other some other type of institution. So it could be an endowment at a university or a hospital, some type of foundation, a, a, a pension that could be you know related to a company or a state or some other municipality. And they they have teams of investors at these entities where their job is to find um, that they balance between public equities, so the stock market, and then they have a certain basket of dollars that they invest into the private equity world, which again, again includes all the different areas I mentioned from like venture to, to later stage investments. Maybe there's a real estate component to it, could be some energy or 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 um, you know other kind of hard assets like minerals or things of that nature and so they make a commitment to a fund like VMGs so when someone says they raise just to, this isn't about VMGs just as a as a general statement if someone says they raise a hundred million dollar fund that means they've grouped together either individuals or institutions that have made a commitment to fund a hundred million. Uh, for them to invest. So when a when a fund with a hundred million dollars invests, you know they they get a, they're generally ten year funds where someone says, okay, over the next ten years, you know we're we're committing capital to to you fund A, and generally they have five years to deploy that capital ish where they're investing it, and then five years to harvest those dollars back and hopefully they're they're returning more dollars to their investors than their investors gave them um, during that time period and so when a when a fund invests in a company they'll call capital and so let's say that hundred million dollar fund makes a 10 million dollar investment into a company they'll send a letter out to all of their limited partners, their investors in their fund that says, hey, we're calling $10 million because we're investing in brand, you know, and brand, brand Jesse, and you have 10 days to send in your dollars. So if someone, if a given investor represents 10% of that 100 million, so 10 million, they would represent 10% of that $10 million investment. So they are, their pro rata share would be, you need to send in your $1 million to fund A in 10 days so that we can fund that investment into brand Jesse. And, and then what that fund is looking to do is over, you know, roughly a five to seven, you know, a three to seven year period, depending on stage of investment, they're looking to return hopefully a gain back to their investors. And how that fund makes their money is they're usually in that example of a hundred million, they're usually somewhere kind of, you know, I don't know, the, the industry standards around two to three percent. So they represent two to three million of their of their own dollars of that hundred million. So in that example, ninety-seven or ninety-eight million dollars would probably come from outside from outside investors. And how they make their money is on any gains that they provide back to their investors, the industry standard is that that fund would get 20% of that gain. So in that example, if someone invests, you know, $10 million and the company sells and they, you know, they, they, they end up getting 20 million back on the 10 million, then that fund would make $2 million. So 2 million, because there's a $10 million gain, they take 20%, that's $2 million that goes to the fund. Uh, on, on top of anything they gained on their, you know, on their direct investment of the, Two to three million dollars of that hundred million dollar fund, which would represent, you know, 
uh, you know, two to three hundred thousand dollars of that ten million dollar investment. So that's kind of how that's how the model that's the how the model works. Yeah, though that's great. I really appreciate that that's explanation. You wanted to know, Jesse, but uh, hopefully that that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I I really I think I find that really helpful because I'm always trying to figure out like, okay, how do how does this you know how does this person I'm interacting with make money? What's their business model? And so I just think it's super helpful to kind of keep in mind, you know, how, how it works when you're, when you're interacting or you're planning for something. Cause then, you know, you know, kind of what the motivations are or, or, you know, the structure of how something works. So I, I find that very, very helpful. No, and I'm glad you asked the question. Cause I think sometimes it's a misconception that, you know, that the investor who invest in a company, they go, wow, like your, your fund is going to make X, Y, Z dollars. And, you know, most of that is going back out to the investors in that fund. So hopefully that example kind of illustrates what, how those dollars come, you know, how, how that, how those dollars come back into the fund. And then within the fund, they have some type of pie on how they share those dollars. So that, that gain that that investor makes in that return just keeps getting whittled down, you know, to to ultimately to that person who made that investment on behalf of that fund into that given company. Right. Yeah. No, that, no that's very, very helpful. And I'm wondering, too, if you can kind of talk about a little bit about the framework that you use at VMG for evaluating brands, because I think a lot of people are interested in you know, they're like, oh, what stage do I need to be at to be interesting? And I think that 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 may be a, maybe a too specific question. So I'm I'm curious more about your framework for when you're evaluating brands. What are some of the things you're thinking about? And then we can kind of dig into to those. I think there's often a misconception by the ecosystem that, oh, we're too early for BMG. And so for us, we there's nothing that's really too early for us. We run everything through a similar framework as we think about it. And, I, and I'm speaking to this from the standpoint of a, you know, of a traditional CPG brand. As you mentioned earlier, we have our BMG Catalyst Fund that focuses on the tech stack that power consumer and retail brands and businesses. But from the standpoint of our, our core CPG categories like branded food and beverage, personal care, beauty, pet food, pet treats, and the wellness VMS space, the way we look at things are, you know, is there real proof of concept? You know, like we try to boil it down to something very simple first, which is, is there, is there a, is there a product and brand that consumers will want to buy and tr- buy and try and then come back and buy it again and then tell their friends about it? So we and we try to quantify what that means by looking, you know, depending on what channel they are, you know, you look at on a D2C, we're looking at, you know, we're looking at repeat and unit economics. And, you know, on a traditional retail basis, we're looking at sell through data and velocity. And we want to see that there's been a proven track record that that consumers try and want to buy more of the product and how that comes to life depends on the channel. So if it were in the retail channel, we want to see one major national retailer having taken on that brand. And we're confident in, in seeing the data that the brand, the, the velocities on that brand are really leading edge. And that if we bring our resources and capital, um, you know, behind the brand, that we can just help extrapolate that and bring those resources 
to bring those velocities across other retailers and channels. And that's a very similar concept on the D2C or Amazon side of things. So you kind of have that like proven, proven repeat uh, and velocities bucket. Um, the other bucket would be, can we build a profitable business model? To be clear, it doesn't have to be profitable at the time of investment, but what do, what do we need to believe for this to be a profitable business? And most importantly, does it have strong gross margins for the given category that it's in. So an example, you know, what a strong margin is for a category is very different depending on the category. You know, if you're in color cosmetics, you want to be, you know, 70% margins. Um, you know, if you're in um, if you're in a snacking, you know, a salty snack category, you want to be hopefully over 40% gross margins. And because that's, that's one of the toughest things to fix our gross margins. You either have it or you don't. A lot of times we hear, uh, you know, a, a, a perspective that we're going to get better gross margins through volume. And unfortunately, I haven't seen that come to fruition many times. You know, I found that most brands either start with great gross margins and they keep them or they, ne or unfortunately, it's something that plagues them throughout their existence and it generally ends up holding them back later is there is there a is there a scalable supply chain to be had so whether it's self-manufactured or contract manufactured if we partner together do we have an ability to grow a sustainable and safe supply chain not only for us but potentially even for a future owner of the business um, and then most importantly is there an aligned vision between BMG and the entrepreneur and the management team. You know, it's hard enough to build a successful brand and company. It's even harder if there isn't an aligned perspective as to what the finish line looks like. So we want to partner with great human beings that have aligned values with VMG and an aligned vision on what we're building together and what does success ultimately you know, ultimately look like. And then one more point to add is it plays in a large enough total addressable market or TAM. You know, are we, are, is the space that we're defining together of what we're playing towards in terms of that alignment, you know, is it big enough to build a scale business? And is it big enough for potentially a future owner to feel like there's runway for them too? Because it needs to be a win-win for everybody. Great. That was, that was super helpful to walk through those framework pieces. And I'm glad you included TAM or total addressable market at the end, because that acronym shows up a lot. And, uh, you know, I was I was wondering if that if that was a piece of the framework. So that was very, very helpful. And when you when you think about velocity, are you are you generally kind of digging into that category and looking for standouts among that category? Or are you looking for, you know, is it or is, is there anything for velocity that goes kind of cross category? Velocity, just like gross margin is relative to what they're doing. So, you know, trying to compare, a, you know, a, a bottled water business to a color cosmetic business, you know, mm -hmm. gross margin or velocity is just not a useful data point. So it's all it's all relative to the respective category that they play in. And it's also that's, that's why the relativity of its own. Sometimes we get someone will send us data on just them, and, you know, their velocities in isolation. That's not particularly meaningful either, other than seeing that it's growing over time. But rather, it's it's a really important way benchmark for us is to see it against you know the rest of the category. And just you know, as a bottled water, you know, we would want to see you know in a given brand, you know, if, if you're in a bottled water category, like 
we want to see how their velocities are relative to the other established players. Because we want, if we want to, you know, bottled water is it, it, at surface uh, has many players in it. So we'd want to see are they doing something different, and is it truly resonating with the consumer voting with their wallets? Right. Yeah. Anna, it was interesting you talked to about founder fit because I think that's something you know a lot of these different pieces are almost a. Uh, you know, paper exercises where you could look on paper, you know, here's the number for the total addressable market, here's the velocity numbers, but, you know, founder fit and making sure you're aligned. And, you know, this, when you're talking about uh, making an investment, like this is going to be a long-term thing. So you, you want to make sure you're going in the same direction and that you ultimately like working together. So it doesn't just come down to, you know, are all the numbers right? It also has to be that personality. And, and do you believe that you have the right, that this person or you know, team of founders can build the team that needs it to take it through the next stage to to get that that great return. That's right. It's not only whether there's chemistry or that we like potentially working with each other. It's, we need to have a vision as to what we're what are we going to build. So let me give an example. So, like, just to keep building on bottled water, are we going to build the the number one bottled water? You know, just to give an example, are we building the number one you know water brand? sourced from San Francisco, or are we building the number one bottled water company sourced from the United States? Or, you know, uh, are we going to build a platform of different beverages that may have water and juice and, you know, protein drinks that, you know, really having alignment around what a win looks like and what we're all trying to build and how do we define success is really important because otherwise, you know, like how, how to think about resources along the way, how, how, how to think about strategy, you, you get into, you know, it's hard enough to build a great brand or business, but when you can't, when you don't agree on what you're building towards, it's nearly impossible. And then it's, to divorce a, a, a spouse than it is an investment partner. So both the investment partner and the entrepreneur and company need to choose wisely because you're you're permanently married. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, are th- are there any any specific things that you that you think that when when a brand is really really early stage and they they know they're they're maybe not ready for funding yet but they know that it's a that it's probably going to be helpful at some point or it's going to be a stage that you know that they're probably going to hit what should they be thinking about as far as you know building into their business that's just going to make you know establishing these relationships or working with someone like BMG easier down the road is there anything they can do really early on to kind of set themselves up for for success later so you're not playing catch up i think one of the main things just is is structuring the business right from the get-go so making sure i think one of the things that's changed in the industry over time are a couple of things one the ability to access good third-party professional service providers to kind of get that foundation built so an example get you know get the legal structure right you know um, hire hire an attorney that knows how to set up an LLC or a C corp in the right way. And then if you're building a brand, make sure you're naming the company with something that's protectable by a principal trademark and have a you know uh, a trade have trademark counsel that knows how to do that for you so that a company's not naming themselves something that they can't ultimately protect. 
that's where the value is in, in the categories that we're all talking about together here is that there the, the values in creating a protectable brand. It's generally not a patent process or product. Um, so build that, build that foundation out in the right way and then build the business dynamics that I mentioned. You know, don't don't start a company with negative gross margins, you know, or or negligible gross margins just to get it going. Really take the time and make sure you're launching launching a a business that can have strong gross margins at the end of the day where it can be a self-sustaining business. You know, ideally a business isn't constant, you know, perpetually having to raise equity capital because they can't generate their own profits even after scaling the business. And then lastly, I would say is make sure, you know, this is a very supportive community you know entrepreneurship is oftentimes feeling like like a person sitting on an island and you don't have to be sitting on an island there's there's great resources through linkedin you know i love linkedin but i think a lot of people in this audience probably know i do but you can find a lot of folks through linkedin that are helpful people that want to support you and, and you'll and, and utilize networking to be able to find resources to help grow the business. Um, and don't wait until you need to raise capital to know potential investment partners, because it's the same thing of like getting married. You know, eloping is generally a low probability exercise. So make sure that you date. <laughs> and that, in the yeah. analogy here, get to know a lot of different potential investment partners, get to know them over time before you make one of the most permanent marriage decisions an entrepreneur will ever make, which is to bring on an investment partner. Right. Yeah. And on on that topic of like, how are you generally, you know, finding brands or or sourcing deals? And I've seen, you know, you and your team are, are pretty active going to like Expo West and Expo East and and those kind of things. But I'm wondering kind of, you know, where you start to when you start tracking companies, are you are you tracking trends or, you know, are people uh, on the team doing research and then bringing them to you? Kind of what does it look like to get opportunities in, in front of you? It's a combination. You know, we certainly buy all the different data sources. So we're we're sourcing it through data where we're seeing strong, strong growth and velocities through, you know, um, through syndicated data. We're going mm -hmm. to trade shows and getting to know getting to know folks we're we're consumers too we're going to stores and buying products online and we're we're you know we follow various brands on you know various social media channels and then we just reach out to folks and we're we're blessed that that we've built the brand we have in BMG and we're we're flattered and honored that when we reach out to founders they generally respond to us and and want to have a conversation and and that's all we want to have is we want to have we want to have a conversation with every entrepreneur that starts a brand or business in the categories that we play in. And we want to hopefully in every conversation, they've gotten more benefit out of it than we did. And, and we get to know folks over time and then we invest in a very small percentage of them. But hopefully everybody we've interacted with, we've been able to help them and that they look back fondly, that they have a positive that they had a positive experience when they interacted with BMG and that they see that BMG is in, you know, that they have a genuine, that they have a genuine interest in helping everybody in the ecosystem. Right. And do you generally do brands also reach out to you sometimes? I feel like a lot of times in the, 
in the private equity and fundraising world when 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 a a company or person is in a position where you are making investments, you can get a lot of outreach. So I'm curious if you do get outreach from brands as well, or whether you mostly prefer to kind of follow and meet people and then reach out when when the data you're seeing matches that that they're ready. We welcome it. It definitely happens. You can find me at woo at vmgpartners.com. And people send me emails all the time where we're, where they're reaching out and, you know, they've heard about VMG from a friend because potentially we we help support that entrepreneur, even though we may not have partnered together or not, or maybe we partnered with them and they've had a great experience with us at VMG and and they're reaching out to us. It happens it happens all the time. One notable experience was with Cynthia Tice at Lily's Suites, you know, that a business that Hershey bought uh you know, last last summer, she sent me an email saying, hey, you know, heard a lot about you and VMG, done a lot of background information. And uh, I decided I want to partner with VMG. And how do I make that happen? You know, and, you know, one conversation led to another and we partnered with Cynthia Tice. And it was a great, a great journey bringing low sugar confectionery products to to the masses. And again, Hershey bought the business last summer. And uh still a great friend today. She's a great, still a great part of the VMG family. Yeah, that's, that's great. And do you have any, any tips for brands when they're interacting with, you know, either they're, they're sending an email or, you know, they're, they're talking to someone on your team at a show. Is there anything that, you know, any advice that you give of, uh, you know, of just kind of how to how to best interact, how to share the, you know, how to share the the most important information about your brand or kind of, you know, make the most of a, you know, a few second interaction to kind of start off on the right foot. I think the biggest thing don't make assumptions. You know, I think there's been so, you know, I think there's been many entrepreneurs that have hesitated on reaching out to VMG because they perceive that, oh, they're too small or too early. And again, just reach out. I mean, I think that the, that my main advice is just do it. And it goes back to how we started this podcast together is be unafraid to take the initiative, you know, hustle, grit, perseverance, persistence, and just reach out to reach out to potential investors, reach out to retailers, you know, go try to make it happen. Like grit is such a big part of successful entrepreneurship. So my advice to entrepreneurs is re- Send that email. Send that 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 DM through through LinkedIn. Stop somebody at a trade show. You know, just have no regrets that you that you didn't reach out. And that's the main thing is just do it and show that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate how open you and your your team are to in investing in the the broader community and wanting your interactions to be valuable and and just. Yeah, wanting to you may you may only invest in a small number of brands, but you're you're trying to overall in, invest in a lot of brands just with you know connecting and and talking with people. Hundred percent, because it you know we have I think we uh, like folks know our talent team very well across the industry, led by Cassie Burr and and and, and Brianna Rizzo, and you know perhaps we can help. They're looking for I don't know head of sales. We may have one that. Uh, someone we know well who's currently looking for a gig and you know we're happy to make that connection to be supportive so there's a lot of ways that we're out there helping support the ecosystem and investing behind them to your point in a much different way than just capital yeah i recently 
found the the job board that you have on your website. And it's that's a really great resource that I didn't know existed until recently. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is just such a great tool for for people in the industry to be able to use. So that's very cool. No, great point. Yeah, it's a single source of truth to find many of the roles across uh, our portfolio as well as VMG itself. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Oh, I want I wanted to ask a little bit more about you know, what what is involves, uh, you know, how are you involved with the brand after investment? Because I know you have there's quite a few different individuals on the, the VMG team, and then they're working with brands that you've invested in. And can you talk a little bit about what that relationship looks like post investment? How are you involved in the businesses you've invested in? How is your team involved? And and yeah, how does that work? Yeah, so we, we are not the day to day operators of the business. We are there to to support the founder entrepreneur and the management team there. And so we typically play a role of a, you know, being on the board in some some capacity. But then it's much more than that. You know, if our, our relationship needs and should be more than just a quarterly board meeting. But really think about a successful marriage and friendship. It's a very casual, interactive dynamic of um, calling each other in good times and in bad, sending that, you know, sending that email or note, you know, um, it's not a, you know, I think some of the, the best partnerships are the ones where it's not just a highlight reel of, oh, I'm just going to call you and share all the great things that are happening. We know there's a lot of great things happening. You know, we're we're here to bring our resources to help support any 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 things anything that where there could be some challenges or potential challenges or staying in front of things so that they aren't those challenges. And and so you know we're we're that trusted friend or partner that has uh, that has the that's had the has resources that's generally seeing that particular challenge once or twice at least along the way and can help and that's you know i'd say the our best partnerships are the ones where there's a very interactive pro proactive dialogue you know like like a good friendship like a good marriage would have mm-hmm. yeah and when you know going going back a stage to before investment when you're when you're interacting with a brand and, and talking about making an investment what does um you know what does some of the negotiate is is there much negotiation in the as far as like the terms or you know the the amount that the you know that the deal is going to be i'm wondering a little bit about what what that piece looks like once you're kind of talking with the brand of okay this might make sense to make an investment is is there a lot of back and forth is it generally a you know okay your business is here this is what makes sense for our fund. I'm curious a little more about that process. It's a very collaborative process. When it's most productive, both parties have a very clear and transparent conversation about what each other is trying to accomplish. And, a, and, and it's simply around if there's alignment around what both parties are aligned to build, you can kind of figure out what the right structure and value is today where it's a win-win for both parties and where i think where things go wrong are just the the blind push for a higher valuation mm-hmm. because then that creates oftentimes some real misaligned incentives because seemingly it's like well there was less dolution but then you have to create this aligned vision around something much bigger potentially and then if it's off track towards that trajectory 
then you're on this really weird spot between, you know, investor and entrepreneur. When when the best partnerships is really thinking about it from a win-win perspective of what can we reasonably build together in a, in a during an aligned time horizon? What is a reasonable exit that the company could have in good good economies and in not as good economies? And then how does that re- how does that investor generate a reasonable return if that outcome occurs? Then you kind of back into evaluation and structure that can be a win-win for both parties. And in that scenario, everything, you know, it's having that clear, empathetic conversation between both parties. And then things just kind of find find its way to the right place. Yeah, that that makes sense. I I'm it's not the same industry, but I'm a big uh, Silicon Valley TV show fan and I always one of my favorite episodes is the episode where they're raising money and uh they they you know they're thinking about taking the the highest valuation and then you know one of the the you know venture capitalists says hey actually I think you need to take the lowest valuation and the smallest deal because that's what's best for your business and I think it's just it's it's a really good episode that kind of shows like it's not always just about the highest valuation number or the biggest investment you get it's more about the fit of you know, who you're talking with and also what are those numbers going to mean later for your business? What are you setting yourself up for? Like who can help get it there? Because otherwise it's this theoretical construct that may never matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I mentioned that earlier, you know, I think one thing that saddens me is how, how few brands get to where they want to be and how few investors get to where they want to be and successfully monetize those businesses so they can return, you know, return uh, capital back to their, to their respective investors. And so I think sometimes in this world of, you know, of, of valuations and things of that nature, you know, really around is, how, how, how do we build a great, how do you build a, it takes a village to build a great company and brand. How does an entrepreneur build that great village around them, you know, of great team members, great investors, great board members, great retailer partners, if that's a channel that's in, you know, that, that, that they focus on great, uh, a great manufacturer, great manufacturing supply chain partners, you know, the entrepreneurs that really think about the big picture of how to build, bring on the strongest talent around them, generally give themselves the best chance of getting to the to whatever they define as that fin- that aligned finish line that they have with themselves and all the other stakeholders. Yeah. It's the ones that are always looking for like a zero sum game dynamic mm-hmm. generally struggle because, you know, they it, it ends up being this um, it isn't that 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 very free flowing dynamic that I described. It is you generally don't have the the talented stakeholders that I described, and it generally holds back the success of that company ultimately. Right. No, that's great. And I'm also wondering if you can share with us because I'm I'm a bit of a fan of your podcast, the Unfinished Biz Podcast. So I'm wondering if you can also tell us a little bit about that podcast that you have with Robin and uh, yeah, because I, I that's uh, that's how I you know I one of the ways I kind of first started following you was starting to listen to the the show and you've got a lot of great episodes out. Thank you. Yeah, we we started that years ago. Uh, I don't even remember when, but you know our the reason why we called it Unfinished Biz is we wanted to feature entrepreneurs who are still in the thick of it. What we found at the time was that most entrepreneurial podcasts were very retrospective in nature, where the journey had largely been finished. And it seemed 
the stories were told from a perspective like it was all rainbows and unicorns mm -hmm. when entrepreneurship is far from it. And we, we'd heard feedback from entrepreneurs who were still in the thick of it that listening to these podcasts sometimes led to some insecure feelings of like, what am I doing wrong relative to this per perception of this perfect path that of this person who is looking back on their entrepreneurial journey, but they really just cut out some of the, the, the more challenging pieces of their journey. So we wanted a podcast that purely focused on entrepreneurs that were still in the midst of that journey and hopefully sharing, you know, obviously the things that are going well, but also some of the ch bumps and bruises along the way so that they can share that they can share those experiences and how they overcame them and hopefully help support another entrepreneur and we found that we're hearing these stories all the time and what we do you know as i mentioned in our goal of speaking to every entrepreneur that that is within the the categories that we play in how do we amplify the message of those you know that these uh, of these founders and entrepreneurs to help support the broader ecosystem and that's how unfinished biz our podcast came to life yeah that's great i think I think my favorite episode is uh, the one with uh, Rachel from Daily Harvest. I love that one, but there's there's so many good ones. So I hope that our our audience uh, heads over and uh, gives that that a listen. Is there anything else you wanted to share in uh, you know f final thoughts for for today? For me, I I I just wanted to share how much I admire entrepreneurs, and you know that it's you know I think it's the I was actually speaking with one of one of my teammates and colleagues here at BMG today. We were both kind of just um, reflecting on what what we love most about our jobs and what wakes us up in the morning, and we both aligned. It's it's around the the blessing that we have to to meet such interesting people every day that have this unique perspective on a problem that that they're trying to solve in the marketplace. And I feel like the luckiest guy in the world to be able to get to know these entrepreneurs that play in the CPG space and hopefully help many of them along the way and then partner with a few of them to achieve their dreams. And I appreciated the time that you gave me on this podcast to really explain kind of the over, you know, the, the, the various parts of the business, but also just how we think about the world at VMG. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll all add links in the show notes for sure, but you can go to vmgpartners.com. We talk, I'll link to the Unfinished Biz podcast, which you can find on any podcast player. And then you can find Wayne on LinkedIn. As you mentioned, you're active there. So this has been so great. Really, really appreciate the time and sharing with our community. And uh, yeah, just so, so glad that you could be on the show today. Appreciate it. I love your show. Honored to be here. Thank you for listening in today. I'm so honored you joined me for this conversation. And I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, we'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. 
I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer. And on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.